0: This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people.
1: Well, as Travis said, um, Christians have widely varying experiences when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And some of us have uh, had uh, a background in, some of you might be here in this place or still, the place where you have a sense that... um, the Holy Spirit, I have all of the Holy Spirit that I need right when I became a believer in Jesus. And I was brought up that way, to don't look for any more because it's dangerous. And uh, and we hear about weird and wonderful things that happen out there, and uh, most of it's weird. Not much of it is wonderful. And we heard, uh, when I was growing up, about uh, the charismatic movement, the Pentecostal movement, and how that it divides churches. and. Uh, Over the years since then, I realized that, yes, there was a lot of weird stuff happening, and there probably still is weird stuff happening out there somewhere. Um, But then others of us have come from the other end of the spectrum. Some of us may have been brought up in churches that value the Holy Spirit and that see that the Holy Spirit is a crucial part of everything we do and uh, and yet some of those churches can go into all sorts of expressions which like I said before you you meet people you haven't met before you have something in common but sometimes you feel like this is so strange this is not a culture I'm familiar with and look that's been part of my journey as well because I grew up in this conservative church where we love Jesus we love the scriptures as we worship together it was a um, It was an open brethren church, a very conservative evangelical church, uh, very strong on world mission and reaching people with the gospel. But when we came together, there was a sense of the presence of God as we worshipped together. There really was. And uh, it was a wonderful early learning for me that God is a tangible person and that when we worship together amongst the people of God, sometimes there's a real sense that God came and was present but we also had this view that um, at the end of the first century that many of the spiritual gifts like prophecy, tongues, healing, etc., they stopped in the church and they weren't to be part of the church anymore, weren't to be part of the Christian life. And, um, and it's actually dangerous if we look for those things and go there. But down through the years, um, I've been on a journey And God has revealed to me, and I guess it started with a hunger for more of God. I was pressing in and just saying, God, I need more of you in my life. And I was also living out things, trying to live for Jesus and trying to share my faith and finding that I was doing a lot of things for God, but I actually wasn't getting much result. And so it was a journey that led me to the point where uh, I came to a To ask God for more of his spirit and it has to be the the biggest moment of transformation I had in my life and uh, and anyway that's a big story that I won't go into now but uh, but it's it's opened up a whole new area where I realize you have the opportunity to go into weird crazy stuff or you have the opportunity to retreat into God's not doing much at all in my life you know but but there is a central a, a, a middle ground And it's found in the scriptures, by the way. I believe the scriptures are very balanced. They actually lead us into things that respect people, are sensitive to people's situations, are lifting up and exalting Jesus, all the things that I was brought up to do and um, that the New Testament talks about. And to the point now where uh, we experience certain things in the Holy Spirit that I certainly wasn't experiencing when I grew up. Uh, But I actually feel like I'm a child in a playground, and I feel like I am just beginning. I feel like there is so much more in God. But one day about, um, one one period of time about us, over 10 years ago, uh, we were in ministry in a, a church, and that suddenly came to an end in a very painful way. And we were really confused about what had happened and why it had happened. And uh, we, we, my wife and I were talking together and saying to each other, where is God in this moment? And we had a real sense that God was there. I remember being in the kitchen at home, straight away after we found out this was, that we were finishing up, I'm told we were finishing up. And we said to each other, no, God is here. God is really here. And that stayed with us, the sense of God being with us through this time. But we were also confused, and I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what God was doing in my life. And, um, and during that, the next two and a half years, we visited other churches and whatever, but never really found a spiritual home in that time until eventually we came to Parramatta Baptist and we really felt that God was leading us there. We'd never been Baptist before, but now we are. And, um, but I also visited during that time another church where not many people knew me. And at the end of the service, I went up for prayer and uh, somebody who'd never met me before prayed for me and they had what you'd have to call a prophetic word that is god spoke something into my life that that person could not have known by themselves and at the end of this and i actually got a transcript of it and at the end of it he said this in his prayer the father's got you in a new place that was then this is now there's nothing else you need to work out about it, it's just different. He's doing a new thing in you and you don't have to work it out. Don't concern yourself over whether it's right or wrong or how it's going to work. Just accept that the Father's got you in a new place and just see how he will work things out. He'd never met me before. He didn't know anything about me. There is such a strong, strength, there is such a strong sense of joy here and it's welling up and it will carry you through. You can probably imagine that that was such a deeply encouraging and healing word. It was like the heart of God spoke right into this painful part in my own heart and kind of brought a levelling and a balance and a sense of hope and a security, a sense of the embrace of God. And this has been my experience, folks, that there's a ministry in the Holy Spirit, the power of God in things that requires the power of the holy spirit there's no way we can manufacture that ourselves but it can be done in a way that nurtures in a way that encourages in a way that builds up in a way that gives glory to jesus in a way that puts people back on their feet and sets them in god's direction there's a lot of blessing here and i actually wonder whether in our our current day this is the kind of God that people need to see. People need to see a God and experience a God, in us by the way, when they look at us, they need to experience a God who has integrity, but also has power to actually bring a change and bring he's a God that actually touches our lives and helps us overcome. But the Holy Spirit can certainly seem like a mystery and, uh, and I don't think that fully leaves us no matter where we go in life. And when we read this passage that's been read for us, it's a passage of mystery. You can get the sense that the disciples don't have a clue really what Jesus is talking about. And when I read this passage, I'm reminded, actually, of my year 11 and 12 class in three-unit maths. And look, a part of me ever since then says I should never have taken three-unit maths. But I think it was because of the teacher I had in year 11 and 12. And... Um, it just he just didn't hit it with me right so but we'd get somewhere he'd teach a unit and i'd be thinking i think i understand that but sir i think i've got a question and he would answer the question but then if you asked another question he would start to get annoyed you know and after a while i'm thinking i've still got question i don't think i'll i'll just put my head down and do my thing but that reminds me of, reminded me of that when I read this passage recently. It seems like the disciples are doing that because it's a passage of mystery. There's, there's questions. Jesus um, is obviously going somewhere, but where exactly are you going? And, um, and Thomas asked, we didn't read this, this is in verse 5. He says, um, Jesus said, you know where I'm going and you know the way. And Thomas says, I've got a question. No, we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. And then Jesus answers, clears up the mystery by saying, I am the way. That didn't clear up anything. And then he goes on. And um, there's the thing about knowing the Father is somehow related to knowing Jesus. And here is Philip's turn. Show us the Father. And then Jesus clears it all up. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The mystery deepens. It's like, is he trying to get this across? I think it's not that he was a bad teacher here. I think it's just that this was a mystery that they can't understand yet. And then finally, he comes to the, the theme that Jesus will soon reveal himself, but only to believers, not to the world. And then it's Judas's turn, not Judas Iscariot, the other one. But he says, why? Why will you reveal yourself? And even his answer to that one is not satisfactory. They can't understand it. But amid all these questions, he gives them the big answer, even though they're not ready to hear it yet. The big answer is that when I've gone to the Father, I'm going to send someone else to you. It's another comforter. It's someone like me, except that he's going to be with you. All of you who go individually into your different corners of the world, he's going to be with you. You're going to do the things that I do. You're going to carry it on, and he's going to be close and live, live with you in your life. But it must have been confusing and they must have still thought, I've still got to, I don't think I'm going to try anymore. That's how I read it anyway. Because the presence of the Holy Spirit is both mysterious and yet fundamental in our Christian life. It's mysterious because, I think, because he is someone that you cannot be told about. You've got to experience him. Jesus could not have brought it across. He just had to say, this is going to happen now. Just wait Wait and you will work it out. It will, you'll see when it happens. But it's also fundamental the presence of the Holy Spirit, because this is Jesus' only plan for the kingdom of God to be brought to the world. He does not have a plan B. We don't get to the end of this confusing, mysterious uh, talk that Jesus did. And Jesus then said, Well, look, if that was too confusing for you, then I've got this way out for you. Will anyone like to take the easy way out? He doesn't say that. There's no plan B. You either move on with the Holy Spirit and everything He wants to do, or there's no other plan. And maybe a lot of the mess and the false witness that people have seen in the church and over the years comes from the fact that believers have made their own plan B. Maybe we've tried to control what God's doing. Maybe we've contrived to try to uh, to make it our own thing and. It's no secret that the power of God just disappears all out of that. And what people see is not Jesus. What people see is a mess. What people see is abuse. But Jesus had no plan B. And he says basically two things in here. And first of all, the first one is that he wants to make our relationship with God a tangible experience, a closer presence. He says that it's the comforter. In, in some versions it says the advocate. But the one who comes alongside to nurture. And he says that he will be in you. You won't feel like orphans. It's a, it's a tremendously personal and encouraging and nurturing language that he uses. And my father and I, we will come and make our home with you. It's a very personal, relational, closer presence. Now, on the journey that where I went on, and this was in my mid-20s, which was about three years ago, um, I was asking God, and God was stirring my heart for more things. But one of the things he brought to me at one point was, why is your mind necessarily more trustworthy than your spirit? You know, you believe that you have a spirit being. But why do you trust your mind more than you trust your spirit? He wasn't asking me, stop using your mind. But he's saying, why? Uh, Why do you think? Because I want to take you a place where you're not going to be in control. You're not going to know everything. You're going to have to trust me a bit more. And I believe that um, this is a, a key idea that's found through the New Testament. Do you know the song, Jesus Loves Me? You might know, you might also, some of you might know Michael Card's more recent version of that. He said, it goes like this, Jesus loves me, this I know. It's not just because the Bible tells me so. I can feel it, feel it in my soul. Jesus loves me, this I know. Interesting idea. But is it biblical? Does the Bible teach that? Well, first of all, Jesus loves me this, I know, because the Bible tells me so. Well, yes, we know John three sixteen. easy, if you know it, Don't, can't think of anything else. Because the Bible says if you believe in Jesus, you will have everlasting life. And I've believed in Jesus, so I'm taking God at his word. That is a decision of faith. And that is the bedrock. And sometimes that's all we have. Because we're called to live by faith. And we're not in the completion of it yet, it's still coming we walk by faith not by sight but then Paul also says there's another way where this where we can know that we belong to Jesus and in Romans 8 you might know that he says there that the spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God it's not just the Bible tells me so I can feel it feel it in my soul And when Jesus says, I'm going to bring another comforter, he's talking about someone that you can sense in your life. I'm not saying you can sense him all the time. I'm not saying it's going to be warm and fuzzy and you're going to be floating three feet above the ground. But there's going to be moments where there's deep um, nurture and a sense of the presence and the peace of God. And that's what Jesus wants for us. There's a deeper relationship and a tangible experience. And the other main thing I see in this passage is that it's going to. when the Spirit comes, he's going to give us power to live a life of faith and witness for Jesus in the world. He says that anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. I don't think all of us are going to do all the things Jesus is doing. I think what he means is as a group of believers, we're going to carry on the work that Jesus has started. That's how I understand that. I'm out of here, and guess who's my only plan to take the kingdom of God to the rest of the world? It's you guys. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you to do that. There's going to be powerful ministry, and I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Now, the New Testament is a story of God's power. There's also suffering. There's also persecution. There's also people not getting what they thought they'd get but there are outbreaks and the theme through there is God's power is unleashed in the church to bring the kingdom of God. Now I was asking myself in all the effort that I was doing in my early early, and mid-twenties, I've been trying to tell people about Jesus but I can't think of anyone that I've probably led to Jesus except maybe a couple of kids who responded in scripture classes and whatever, But the but if I told you the story, I won't go into it, but I've shared my faith. And, and, and I came to God to say, look, there's, there's talk in the New Testament about the power, the life-changing power of God that I just don't see in my life. I want more of you for myself, but I also want it to work more. And I wonder whether some of you feel some of that as well. And what I found out was that I had never learned to ask God for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Paul says there, he says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But God, where is it in my life? And he says, according to the power that is at work in us. And so I had to come to the Lord just in prayer. And I was pressing in in scripture saying, where is it in your word? If If this is what I'm supposed to look for, show it to me in the Gospels and started reading the New Testament again and started seeing it through new eyes because they had this heart of asking God for more. And I'd encourage you to do the same if that's what God is speaking to you, is, is get back into the word because it's all there and it will keep us in the middle of the road. And so I did this journey of pressing in, reading scripture, praying, received from God and like I implied before, God brought so many new things. There was one moment particularly where I asked God to fill me with his spirit and I was scared. I had to say, God, take away my fear because I might speak in tongues and I don't want to. That's what it was at the time. Now take away my fear and then, look, whatever you want, I'm going to trust in you. Now fill me with your spirit. It was, I felt like the night, 10 years earlier, where I got saved. I wanted to get saved again. That's how it felt. I was trusting my life to God. And I think that's why he allows this to be a mystery And they're going, I just don't understand. And he's going, yeah, this is a journey and I'm going to take you there. You know what? We don't graduate from Jesus to the Holy Spirit. We don't graduate from worshipping Jesus to worshipping the Holy Spirit. We don't graduate from praying to Jesus to praying to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying... This is, the, this is the next stage. You're going to complete the things that I've started. And when we exalt Jesus, we welcome the Holy Spirit to come and to do his thing in our lives. In our course in Life in the Spirit, we look at a lot of Bible teaching, and this is our foundation. But we also aim to touch into the mystery aspects of knowing God and inviting the presence of the Spirit to come and touch our lives where we need him to do so. But one suggestion, as i said, if you sense you'd like more of the Holy Spirit in your life, whether you do this course with us or not, whether it's the right time for you or not, can I encourage you to get back into the New Testament? This is a hard copy version, by the way. Something about a real book sometimes, isn't there? I think. I'll read the other one as well. But ask God, you know, if, if you're calling, if, you're stirring, if this is you stirring me, would you show me more about your spirit that I need to learn out of the Bible? Um, write down what you learn and ask God to bring it alive in your life. Maybe ask someone to pray for you on this as well. And we would love to pray for you, Frank and myself, at the end. And um, if you'd like to, we really, uh, Frank prays for anything that moves, basically, if he gets half a chance. You know, because this is what happens when, when God does stuff and he shows you your spiritual gifts and I'm sure plenty of you are moving in those as well. But don't you just love moving in those? Don't you just have a sense that, wow, God wants to touch people and wants to bless people and uh, I will travel places to let that happen. And that, we've only traveled a short distance today, but we'd love to, to pray with you. And um, when God hands us a mystery, why does he hand us a mystery? I wonder whether it's an invitation for us to seek out the answer. We, go stri- we want the answer straight away. God wants our hearts. We want to be able to control it and to understand it. God wants us to be able to let go and to trust him. And he promises that when we seek him, we'll find him when we seek with all our hearts.
0: We'll notice a difference between David and me. He ran up the stairs. Well, good morning. 1972 was a, uh, an awesome year for me. Uh, Trish and I were living in Wagga. We had two young children, and, uh, and I was quite happy in that, uh, that place, but I was, I was a victim. I was a victim of a couple of guys who, uh, who knew me, and, uh, and they badgered me to go and attend a, a weekend retreat. Now, I just wanted to be a nice guy. I just wanted to be, uh, to be a good person living by the golden rule. And uh, I went along somewhat reluctantly, but at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the weekend, at the very last moment, I gave my life to Jesus and something happened in that, in that very moment. God sovereignly filled me with his Holy Spirit. I didn't know what had happened to me, but my life was transformed. I was filled with a joy that I had never known, and I was filled with a knowledge of Jesus And his presence that was, in a word, unreal. I was strengthened in the spirit. I didn't know I was being strengthened in the spirit, such that uh, we left Wagga, I took up a new job, and it was like stepping out of cloisters and being at the entrance to the gates of hell. I was not happy but i had a job to do and it lasted i lasted 12 months and in that 12 months i lost the sense of the presence of god in my life i tried to reconnect i tried to do all the things that i had done that enabled god to sovereignly fill me but nothing worked And life was kind of empty. My business life carried on um, and, uh, and it progressed, but there was a great emptiness inside of me. And it lasted about nine years. But 18 months before it ended, I began to pray. There was a stirring up inside of me, Lord, I knew you once. But I want to know you again, but I'm frightened because I don't know what it's going to mean to me. So please lead me by the hand because I am frightened. Well, that prayer and that cry from the heart went up for about 18 months. And if I had known then what I know now, that God does answer prayer, I would have been much more relaxed in my approach. But after that 18 months, my brother came out from Scotland. And he had just finished his uh, Bachelor of Theology at Edinburgh University. And he came out with stories of the workings of the Holy Spirit. How people had been healed. How people had been raised from the dead. And I was intrigued with this. And I soaked up the stories that he was telling me and encouraging me and bringing me hope that perhaps once again I could know Jesus as I had known him in 1972. It was one critical moment when he prayed over me again for a feeling of this Holy Spirit, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit if you like that I was being encouraged to step out in faith. Now at this time, Trish was pregnant with her fourth child. She had damaged her back in a physical accident a number of years before and she couldn't lie down, stand up, sit down, do anything without being in constant pain and caring for a, a growing family. My brother had told me that Jesus never forced himself on anyone, and he will not force himself on you. He responded to people. He responded when they came up to him, like blind Bartimaeus. Jesus could see that Bartimaeus was blind, but he asked him, what is it that you want? So armed with this new knowledge of mine, I went up to my brother and I said, would you please pray over Tricia's back? And in that moment, he said, no. Now, guess what thoughts ran through my head at that point? I've been conned. How quickly can I get rid of this fruitcake from my home? But his next words shook me to the core. You know what to do. You do it. Well, I didn't want to i didn't feel up to it and no i didn't know what to do so i picked up my bible walked through to the bedroom where trish was lying on bed it was the only place where she could get some relief from the pain our relationship at that time was um, difficult shall we say and uh, i wasn't expecting a, uh, a welcome from her So with one foot in the bedroom door and one foot pointing down the hallway to escape quickly, uh, I said to Trish, would you like me to pray over your back? And she said, yes. That wasn't the answer I was really hoping for. (laughs) So I laid my hands on her back and I addressed my prayer like a letter to Father, Son and Holy Spirit, a very short prayer asking the Lord to heal and lift the pain from Trisha's back. And for good measure at the end of it, I signed it in Jesus' name and with a good measure of a very quavering, praise God. I took my hands off Trisha's back and like an idiot, I said, well, how's your back? Expecting that uh, that's how it works. And she said, well, it's still as sore as it was when you put your hands on. And that's when I discovered that faith and emotions uh, are not always the same thing, because my emotions began to go into that thing called a tailspin. And I thought, oh. But she interrupted my thought process and said, well, where you laid your hands, There's still a sense of warmth, a deep warmth, but it's on the inside, it's not on the outside. So it's not of your hands. So that's when my praise to God began to go into the the really important area of gratitude. In the morning when Trish woke up, no pain. And that was my first experience of having been refilled with the Holy Spirit, reconnected to Jesus, and seeing prayer answered. And David is quite right. I'll go anywhere to pray for people. And that led me into a transformation of my life where I had only wanted to be a good person, but the hunger inside of me was to know more and more and more about all this exciting thing of walking with Jesus and doing what Jesus has done. So, went to church on Sunday, yes, not much talk of the Holy Spirit there, as is the case in most churches at the time. Went to the healing service at St. Andrew's Cathedral in Sydney on a Wednesday evening. Now, you had to get there early at that stage of its development, 600 seats, but it was standing room only with 10 minutes before it started. And that was where I was able to pray for many, many people. And at the cathedral, we, we gathered together and we purchased a property called Golden Grove in Newtown, which was a healing ministry center. And there we were praying for people with deeper needs. There we were seeing God working many miracles but let me tell you about one of the miracles that happened in in the cathedral itself and it's the silence and it's the beauty of god that takes place in all these things he operates so silently and we and i have to be attentive to the attitude of gratitude towards what he is doing even when i don't see it happening a lady came to the cathedral she had suffered from crippling arthritis for decades she had been a music teacher a piano teacher and her hands were, were were in splints because the arthritis had caused them to to bend and cripple her feet were the same her spine was the same she wore a neck brace she wore a, a back brace when she went she rarely left the house now her life had been so constricted, and her husband, when he did take her out, would drive so gingerly as to avoid every pothole, every lump and bump in our streets and roads, to the point that he was very attentive, but she came this night, she had heard about this, and one of, the, uh, one of our congregation had herself been healed of arthritis so she was uh, she was instrumental in being called forward and what i'm talking about here is that sometimes god gives us gifts uh, where he talks about gifts of healing it's plural and this lady who was called forward uh, had a, one of her gifts was a gift of healing of arthritis and so the prayer was, was done at the appropriate time in the service. Nothing seemed to happen. And then the lady was examining the, the roof of the cathedral with its vaulted ceilings and all the decoration that was up there. And then she realized that I can't do that. So she took off the neck brace and found that she could move her head. And she was beginning to get excited because she couldn't feel pain in her hands either. So she took the splints off and her fingers came back to normal. Her spine straightened, her toes uncurled. God answered so quietly, so graciously, and through giftings of healings. God is willing to give us gifts, good gifts. We don't need to say, God, I want this gift or that gift. He's got sufficient intelligence to know what we can carry and what we can can work with. Roll the story forward a number of years. And I was was retrenched from a uh, very well-paying job in merchant banking, and I... uh, I had had to sell my home, take my children out of fee-paying schools, put my mother into a nursing home. Uh, We were down to no money in the bank and I knew that as a banker, it's a bad thing to write dud checks. One afternoon, I said, Lord, I've got all these bills to pay. So what I'm going to do, I believe that you are my provider. So this is what I'm going to do, and I was talking to myself to boost my own faith as much as anything else. I'm going to write these checks. I'm going to pin them to the receipts. This was back in the days when you had checks. I'm going to put them in envelopes. I'm going to address the envelopes. I'm going to seal the envelopes. I'm going to put stamps on the envelopes, and in the morning, I'm going to post these because my trust is in you as my provider. I went out that night to speak to a group, and this is going back a couple of decades or so, so the, the dollar signs don't mean that much today, but the bills totaled $1,000, and when you don't have $1,000, it might as well be a million dollars. And I went out to a group that night, and my circumstances were totally unknown to them. I gave an address, and I was given a gift that night, Remember the number, $1,000? I was given a cash gift of $1,009. The $9 gave me enough petrol to get home. What a touch from the Lord that meant. God is good. God is faithful. Let me tell you about broken dreams, because many of us have broken dreams. For about 16 months, I would travel to Adelaide. I would catch the 6 a.m. flight, which meant I had to be up at 4 a.m. every morning. And I was in really no mood to talk for the almost two-hour journey that it took to get from Sydney to Adelaide Airport. But this morning, a lady came in and sat in the middle seat and I turned to say, good morning, you know, terrible time to be, uh, to be flying. And there began a conversation that lasted the whole, almost two hours. It was two hours of ministry. When you're that close up in the heavens, flying at 30,000 feet, I guess our prayers get answered a little bit more quickly. She told me the story of a broken marriage. She told me the story of, of a daughter Who had uh, got into drugs and was living on the streets, she told me a story of broken dreams. And that was the thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Because when when you develop your relationship with the Holy Spirit, He is likely to speak to you. He is likely to give you nudges. He is likely to give you words. He is likely to give you pictures in your mind. He is likely to speak to you in dreams. Well, when you reach a certain age, the scriptures tell us that young men shall see visions and old men will see dreams. Well, I knew where I was in that category. I was in the old man category. But the Lord showed me that this woman had a picture. He gave me a picture of a uh, of a cottage with nice white picket fence, with roses around the veranda, and that had been this lady's dream of what marriage would be, and it was crushed. But I knew that God wants to give us fresh dreams. I knew that God wanted to give us fresh direction in our lives. So at 30,000 feet and speaking in whispers, the Lord ministered to that lady, healed her heart of broken dreams, and blessed her so deeply, even to the point of relieving her of a spirit of fear of flying. She was transformed in that two-hour period, and she was set on a new path. She called me later and said not only was she, had her circumstances and relationships improved, but her daughter had come off drugs, was off the streets, and had gone around everybody in town to apologize for her past behavior. All of that speaks of the scripture coming alive. And a blessing to that young to that lady, that young lady, was that her employer, knowing what she had been like, gave her her old job back. Isn't God good? Life in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, opens up opportunities. But some of us may have uh, not recognized the Holy Spirit in our lives. And in Ephesians chapter four and First Thessalonians in chapter five, we are told that we can grieve the Spirit. We grieve the Spirit through unconfessed sin, an accumulation of small sins, an accumulation. That's it. We can grieve the Holy Spirit to the point where we can't hear him again. In first Thessalonians we are taught that we can quench the Holy Spirit. How do we quench the Holy Spirit? We don't recognize him. We don't use his gifts. We don't listen for his voice. So those are two ways that we can not hear from the Holy Spirit. Those were ways that that I experienced during that period between having been sovereignly filled the Holy Spirit and then being refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Accumulation of not using the gifts plus unrepented sin. So it's when we clean ourselves up that we can hear again from God's Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is here to elevate Jesus. He is there to not take the glory for himself, but to pass the glory on to Jesus. And it's Jesus who does the work of ministry. So we have prayer, we'll travel. We are delighted to... Pray for anyone who would like to come forward for prayer at the end. And we would love to see you take part in Life in the Spirit, even if it is out of curiosity. But if you know someone who would benefit from it, be like those two friends of mine who badgered me and harangued me to attend that seminar, that retreat seminar in 1972